How is it going, everyone? It is once again me, Chewy, and I am the host of this horror podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. And before we get started with today's episode, I want to remind everyone out there to go out and check our Linktree page because we have all of our links to our social media accounts like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. You can also find the online store so you can score some sweet EMBO swag for yourself. And I want to encourage everyone out there to go ahead and do that. So for this episode, we're going to be talking about the movie Stigmata. So stick around because it's going to be really, really interesting. Okay, so for the first segment, we're going to be talking about some of the behind the scenes slash production stuff of the movie here. So, the movie Stigmata was released on the day, September the 10th, in the year of 1999, and it had a budget of $29 million, and it made a grand total of 89.4. So, it was somewhat of a success, I would say. The director for this movie was Rupert Wainwright, who (laughs) I found out in the course of my research here, that he has directed other things and some of those were music videos but the most interesting one to me that stuck out the most was a little something called Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, the movie which was a direct-to-video film in which (laughs) the infamous rapper MC Hammer features as a rapper that tries to stop some sort of a drug lord from using kids to distribute his merchandise so to speak i had never heard about this movie i don't think i've ever seen it but now i am thoroughly intrigued so (laughs) i'm gonna have to look that up for sure one more thing i gotta mention is that the music in this film was created by none other than mr billy corgan of the smashing pumpkins fame And incidentally, (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of that band, or of him for that matter, so I do apologize for anyone that is. I just don't like his voice too much, and I just don't like the way his music sounds. Not so much the music itself, but the way it's recorded, the way it's produced. But anyways, I digress. And I'm going to move on to mentioning some of the most notable cast members in this film. The main role of Frankie Page is played by Patricia Arquette. Gabriel Byrne stars as Father Andrew Kiernan. Jonathan Price stars as Cardinal Daniel Hausman. Nia Long stars as Donna Chadwick. Enrico Colantoni stars as Father Dario. And Portia de Rossi as Jennifer Kellyhoe. There are a few other characters, but these are the ones that are featured the most prominently. So, therefore, those are the ones that I will mention to you. So, going back to our movie here, I'm not going to cover the whole thing scene by scene, but rather, I want to talk about some of the religious themes that this movie explores. And some people, actually most people, seem to consider that it wasn't very well done, that it's not a great movie, and I would agree with them to some extent. I do think that this movie could have been a lot better given the fact that it's a very interesting topic. It deals with the story of this girl named Frankie Page who is a self-professed atheist. Her mother's on vacation in Brazil where incidentally a priest has passed away recently and there's a scene in which we actually see Father Kiernan once again played by Gabriel Byrne who is some sort of investigator for the Vatican and he is sent to check out this statue of the Virgin Mary that according to the locals has been weeping blood so he sees a funeral procession for the priest and then a little boy steals a rosary from the dead priest so that kid is for sure going to hell. (laughs) So this kid sells that rosary to Frankie's mom, who then ships it out back to the States. 
more specifically to the city of Pittsburgh, which is where the movie takes place. So Frankie receives the rosary and she starts to experience weird phenomena. One of the first things that happens to her is that she's taking a bath and all of a sudden she is pushed into the water by some sort of supernatural force and after struggling to catch her breath and be able to get out of the, the water she is wounded on both of her wrists and she's taken to the ER where the doctors tell her that they have no fucking clue what's wrong with her <laughs> so I mean they do all kinds of tests right and they're not able to find the cause for what the reason for those wounds is they do imply not really imply they actually do say that they think they have been self-inflicted but we as the audience know for a fact that they were not self-inflicted so okay i'm gonna make a little side note here and basically try to explain in my limited knowledge what's going on here i'm also going to add that some of the things i'll be saying here are opinions meaning that these are my personal beliefs <laughs> so my job is not to try to convert anyone to anything to make anyone believe anything so on and so forth that is entirely up to you whatever you choose to believe in or not believe in that is your right and that is not the point here but i will be mentioning some things that have to do with religion here specifically catholicism so basically what's going on here is that some people throughout history and throughout the world have reported to have similar injuries to what we see in the movie and specifically those injuries are called stigmata and what those injuries represent to the catholic community are the wounds that jesus christ himself received upon the time of his crucifixion and actually at one point in the movie they do mention that the people who have reported these injuries or these wounds rather are amongst some of the most devout and faithful really really um, deep believers in the catholic faith so in the movie since frankie is an atheist there's a scene in which she's talking to father kiernan and he asks her do you believe in god so on and so forth and she's like nope i'm an atheist and basically he's like okay that concludes my business with you <laughs> because uh in the context of the movie somebody who is an atheist would not be chosen by god to receive these wounds so father kiernan says or thinks that there must be some sort of different explanation I actually remember reading an article about some dude in um, Italy, I think it was, either Italy or Portugal, one of those two, maybe Brazil, <laughs> or maybe it was, no, 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 it was somewhere in, in Europe, I believe, and that was my first encounter, I guess, with the concept of stigmata, I must have been like 10 years old, maybe, and I remember reading a magazine about or an article rather in a magazine about this guy and from what i remember i mean mind you this is like 20 30 years ago that i do remember that he was according to himself very devout a very strong believer in the catholic faith so i guess as far as that goes that does match with what we see in the movie and i've heard about other cases here and there but I don't really keep up with it, to be honest. It's not something that I actively seek out and read about. But this is a factual thing. Whether you believe in what it represents or not, it's a little bit besides the point. I mean, there have been people who have unexplained wounds that don't stop bleeding, and yet at the same time don't become infected. They don't heal, for that matter. And I'm not sure if that guy is still alive. I mean, I think he was in his 30s back then. So at this point, he's probably in his 50s or 60s if he's still alive. So I wonder if those things are a lifelong phenomenon. Like, does he ever 
get healed from that or is that something he needs to carry throughout his whole existence i mean i can't imagine what it would be like to have a wound like that in my hands or rather my wrists and there's other ones i mean according to the movie there are the wrists the whiplashes in the back that's three the feet and then the crown of thorns on the forehead and then the last one would be the spear so as the movie progresses we see frankie getting more and more of these wounds and she's really desperate because she has no idea why she has been chosen to receive these wounds father kieran is trying to help her but he is equally at a dead end basically because like i mentioned according to himself she shouldn't be receiving these wounds because she's not a believer so basically she starts acting weirder and weirder she starts speaking in tongues she starts to write in very strange language on her wall which incidentally it's supposed to be aramaic but according to the notes in imdb is actually a very ancient form of hebrew because the director thought it looked more intriguing and more not scarier but he basically thought it looked more striking to the eye as all of this is going on we have the subplot of the villain who is cardinal houseman and he's basically trying to stop the news about frankie's incidents from spreading mind you this movie was made in the late 90s so the internet was nowhere near as prevalent as it is today basically all he has to worry about is the newspapers and <laughs> he gets increasingly frustrated every time he sees an article about how frankie had an incident in public because like i mentioned she's trying to live her life the way she always has and she's trying to go out to eat and hang out with her friends but she can't really do that anymore because she gets a wound every so many days or hours whatever and since i'm talking about that i need to mention that the visuals are pretty striking in this movie they are very late 90s <laughs> so there's this like blue filter on top of everything and there's a lot of flashing lights and a lot of sudden cuts it's a a 90s thing <laughs> unless you live through it or have seen a lot of movies from that time period you don't know what i'm talking about uh <laughs> not that that makes me feel superior to you mind you but i mean maybe a little <laughs> so every time that she gets a wound there's a lot of blood everywhere of course because she's getting cut but there's also a lot of like i mentioned flashing lights and people screaming and well i mean can you imagine if you're kind of just riding the subway for example at one point she's on the subway with her friend and she approaches this priest frankie that is and asks her if that guy is father kiernan before they met he tells her no but i'm also a priest whatever and as she's talking to him the subway car starts shaking and the light starts flickering and all of a sudden you see her back start bleeding like someone's whipping her so picture that i mean imagine just going home on the subway after a long day of work or whatever and suddenly seeing this girl start being whipped by some sort of invisible force right in front of you how would that make you feel <laughs> you'd probably be scared out of your pants like i would be i admit it i'd be scared shitless <laughs> but anyways as the movie progresses we see her and father kiernan grow closer there is some sort of an insinuation of a budding romance between both of these people which <laughs> father kiernan is a priest mind you so he's not able to do those kinds of things she asks her in one of the scenes in the movie actually how come or how does he feel about not being able to do that anymore and he responds with something along the lines of 
I just change one set of complications for another. <laughs> um, take that as you will. <laughs> um, no comment because I am single at the age of 38, so I guess it could be complicated <laughs> for everyone out there. But going back to their strange relationship, there is one scene in particular in which we see her trying to seduce the priest. But this is one of the things that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because, spoiler alert, we find out that the reason that Frankie is getting these wounds and going through all these weird phenomena is that the rosary that her mother sent her was somehow imbued with the spirit of the priest that died in Brazil, who was part of a group of three priests that were tasked with translating some sort of ancient scroll. And as the three priests were working on this scroll, they found out that it said some things that they knew would revolutionize the church completely, basically rendering it not useless, but kinda, in a way. Because the main point of that scroll was that if someone is a true believer in the faith, then they don't have to go to church, they don't have to build churches for that matter. You can just profess your faith anywhere you are. So, of course, that doesn't resonate very well with <laughs> Cardinal Hausmann over there at the Vatican. Because that would be a game changer. Now, on a personal note here, and once again, I'm not trying to impose my beliefs on anyone or make someone believe something they don't want to. But me, personally, I kind of feel like that. In the sense that I was raised in a Catholic household. But we're not very devout. We go to church, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, we go to church occasionally, very rarely actually, usually at weddings or funerals only. So me being a believer, personally, I feel like I don't have to go to church to profess my beliefs. I can pray anytime I want, if I choose to. I can basically practice my faith without having to depend on someone to tell me how to do it. Now, having said that, I do feel a little different. I feel a certain way when I go to a service in church, but I do feel that it's because of the fact that I'm surrounded by people who also believe in the same thing that I do. And even then, I think we each have our own interpretations of religion. Like me, for example, I just mentioned that I don't feel like I have to go to church. I don't feel like I have to pray with a priest. I don't feel like X, Y, Z. But someone in that church may believe that, no, like I have to. I have to do all these things to be a true believer. So in the end, really, it depends on all of us, on how we interpret these things, on how we choose to practice or not practice, so on and so forth. And... That is why this priest, the Cardinal Hausman, is so upset because he felt like if the contents of that scroll became public, then people would not want to go to church anymore and they would start believing different things. I think he feared some sort of a second reformation coming. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was scared. So at the very end of the movie, he comes to America and he basically kidnaps Frankie. <laughs> he takes her to this weird, faraway convent, maybe. There are a lot of nuns there, so that's why I'm thinking it's a convent, but it could be some sort of a church of some kind. And when they're there, he tries to perform an exorcism on Frankie because I'm not sure, I can't remember. How he found out that the spirit of the dead priest is inside of her. And that is why she was receiving these wounds. 
because he was a very deep believer in the Catholic faith. So because his spirit is now inside Frankie's body, by proxy, she gets the wounds. And of course, at the very nick of time, Father Kiernan gets there and stops this madness. Because the Cardinal, actually, when he was not successful in performing his exorcism, he has the nuns and his apprentice slash sidekick leave the room. And he tries to murder Frankie. He actually chokes her, saying something along the lines of, no, you're not going to mess with my church because I am the church, whatever. So, typical power mad tyrant person. <laughs> and we see Father Kiernan kick him out of the room. He gets there, he knocks the door down, he grabs him by the collar and just throws him out of the room. And then he talks to the spirit of the priest and convinces him to leave Frankie's body that he, Father Kiernan, will attempt to continue the work he had done. So at the very end, we see both Father Kiernan and Frankie at this beautiful garden, and she stands up. Actually, well, he carries her out from the church into the garden, and he sits with her on his bench, and then she rises, and as she's walking around the garden, some birds, I think it was doves, actually, stop and hang out with her for a bit <laughs> so it's a very interesting movie i do think that it's interesting it's entertaining now there are like i mentioned things that mm, <laughs> they could have improved upon i think so before we move on to mariah's segment i do want to mention a couple things the first of which is that the movie was not very well received by the critics. It currently has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 22%. And the infamous film critic Roger Ebert said, and I quote, This is possibly the funniest movie ever made about Catholicism, from a theological point of view. So we all know this guy was very scathing in his reviews. Another thing that <laughs> Gabriel Byrne the priest, Father Kiernan, was nominated for an award, the Razzie Award, of course, for Worst Supporting Actor, not only for this movie in the same year, but also for the film End of Days, in which he played the devil. So, <laughs> he was nominated for two movies in the same year for the same award. Now, luckily for him, he lost to the guy that played Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars Episode One. Man, I can't imagine a character being more hated than Jar Jar Binks. But, honestly, I think that's well-deserved hate. <laughs> I can't stand the character, but anyways, I digress. And actually, now that I mentioned End of Days, I was reminded of the, the fact that there's this string of movies about religion in the 90s. Of course, this one's Stigmata, and of course, End of Days. Then there was another one called The Prophecy with Christopher Walken, aka one of the best actors ever. <laughs> he actually played Archangel Gabriel in that movie, I believe. Then there was, going back a little further down the, the early part of the 90s, The Seventh Sign with Demi Moore. And there was another one with Lou Diamond Phillips. I think that one was called The First Power. So the 90s were a prime decade if you wanted to make a religious-based thriller. I don't think any of those movies are horror movies necessarily. Not even End of Days, which, I mean, it's about the devil. But that's more of an action movie. It was a vehicle for Arnold Schwarzenegger to say he shot the devil with machine guns <laughs> and the prophecy that could kind of maybe count but it's not really horror it's more of a thriller same thing with the seventh sign and the first power so yeah i mean the 90s were definitely the the decade for that i don't think i can remember a lot of 
that kind of movie in the recent times. And now that I think about it, all the movies, or most of the ones that I mentioned, rather, deal with the topic of the end of the world. So, and actually the, the prophecy is a franchise. I think there are three or four movies in that series. I believe I've seen the first two. But anyways, that concludes our segment here about the movie Stigmata. And stick around because Mariah is joining in the conversation coming up next. Okay, Mariah, so now it's time for you to join the conversation. I want to welcome you once again. Thank you. <laughs> Although it's only been a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like we said in the last episode, we are recording this one right after the other. So due to Thanksgiving break and stuff like that, I, I'm not going to be available. And you have stuff to do as well with your family. So we had to do this. <laughs> so I'm so happy to, to still be able to talk to you. <laughs> of course, me too. <laughs> so we're not, we are now... Ugh. We are now, excuse me, talking about Stigmata. So, had you seen this movie before? No, this is my first time watching it. So, yeah, it, it was very nostalgic to me in a lot of different ways. So, that was my first impression <laughs> watching this movie. So, describe for us how it was or, or what made you feel nostalgic when you saw this movie. Screaming 90s rock grunge <laughs> and stuff. That era, definitely. And the brick lipstick that girls would wear. That one. And also the Catholic religion as well, because I grew up in Catholic school when I was a little girl. So, and also this movie also reminded me of my one of my favorite screamo bands. This screamo rock band kind of got inspired on one of their scenes with this movie, actually. So that was really, really cool to see unfold and everything. Oh. So that was so cool. And the screamo rock band that I'm talking about is called Devil Wars Prada. I've heard of them, but I don't think I've ever heard their music. They're good. They're, they, all they do is <laughs> scream. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't like them. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> But it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, I, like I, I think they came out around the time that I was in college, maybe. And Oh, okay. I was a lot more close-minded about music back then than I am now. So back then, I, I'm pretty sure I would have not liked them. And now, I mean, I guess it depends, but I, I think I probably still wouldn't, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Uh, because I've, I've listened to some music from that time period and it's like, yeah, okay, I can see why I didn't like this back then. I still don't like it now. <laughs> but um, I agree with you. I do think this movie is more 90s still than the one we talked about a couple weeks ago, The House on Haunted Hill. Definitely agree. This is very <laughs> 90s. Screaming 90s, for sure. The music, the hair, the hats, everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird time period because this movie came out in 1999. <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely a weird time period. And specifically this movie and movies that had to deal with religion became really popular around this time because of the millennium. I don't know if you remember that. I think you might have been a little bit too young, no? No, I remember. I remember <laughs> the year we were going into the 2000 and we all thought we were going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I was five years old on New Year's Day into the year 2000. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> I mean, I was a little older than you. I was about 15. Uh, no, no, yeah, well, I was 15 at the end of the year, 1999, mm. and it was a really okay. weird time period. Like, I mean, I, we talked about this in, in another different episode, but I think, yeah, a lot of people were concerned about the millennium and it being the end of the world, and, and the biggest concern for a lot of people was actually Y2K, that whole computer thing. <laughs> now but it was a huge thing back then <laughs> i mean if you didn't live through it you have no idea what it was like 
<laughs> That's so funny. I'm so happy I was born a little bit in the 90s. <laughs> so I, I know what you're talking about. Cause I remember <laughs> my whole family going crazy on New Year's thinking we were all going to die. It was definitely a mood for sure. Um, <laughs> so anyone out there who has no idea what we're talking about, Y2K was when people thought the computers were all going to erase their information. <laughs> So all the banks and all the stock market and all these people were panicking because they thought everything was going to get deleted. And it was crazy. <laughs> and in the end, nothing happened. <laughs> and people actually did take their money out of their out of the banks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. Yes. Yeah. I remember my family did that. <laughs> yeah, that actually started affecting the, the economy for a bit because a lot of people tried to take their money and some people couldn't. Uh, they were panicking. I do want to mention other movies that came out came out around this time period that dealt with religion and the end of the world so this one for example there was another one called end of days with arnold schwarzenegger in which he fights the devil Ooh. with machine guns what <laughs> what you've never seen this movie oh no oh i've never seen it is it a horror movie it's like a horror action movie <laughs> kind of thing Wow. Write these down because we got to do them. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And it's on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny? The guy that plays a priest in this movie plays the devil in the other movie. What? <laughs> oh, wow. That is insane. Because he's viewed as the good guy in this film. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, I was thinking of another movie, but I forgot what the other movie that I was thinking about was because I, I got so focused on, on the <laughs> on the 90s conversation. Um, let me see if I can find that out. But talking about this movie specifically, though, you mentioned that it's, it's really 90s, but what do you think about the story? Was it interesting to you? Kind of, in, in a lot of ways... Yeah, I think it was the nuns that were kind of making me feel like, oh no. So this entire film just reminded me of my torture days in Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed the horror aspect of it. And a lot of the, there were some really great scenes in this movie. And then there were scenes i did feel that this movie it it was weird because i feel like it escalated in the beginning and then it kind of slowed down a little bit so it, it's and then it, it jumps up again and really fast towards the end and it um it just goes really <laughs> fast so you kind of have to pay attention so i did get bored in the middle of the movie because i felt it was taking forever and it was a bit slow and then it gets really interesting up again so that was kind of hard to navigate a little bit but overall it's a really cool film I agree with you. It's it's, uh, it's pacing is a little weird, I think, because it starts out kind of frantic, and then, yeah. And then it slows down quite a bit, and then towards the end, it, it picks right back up. So, would you classify this movie as a possession movie, or what do you want to call it? Yes. Definitely just gave me the exorcist type of movie for some weird reason. I It, it is... The storyline is very crazy, and it's really interesting to get a female possessed in this way. So, yeah, that was because I remember in Catholic school, we would always hear about the male getting possessed, never the woman. So this movie was really cool to see the female version of it because i had growing up catholic it was just just very different so this was really really cool to watch and get that perspective so yeah i would definitely say yes it is a possession type exorcist ish movie in cinema though i think it's been more commonly the women that are shown being possessed 
or being chased by a spirit. Like in this movie, for example, and of course The Exorcist is another one. And the one that I mentioned earlier, End of Days, it's about a girl that, that's being chased by the devil. I do think that it is a possession movie because we find out eventually that, that the girl is going through all of this because she is possessed by the spirit of a dead priest. Right? Right. It's It blew my mind at the end. I was really confused, and I think this movie will do that to a couple viewers, is kind of confuse them a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or left with question marks till the end. Yeah, definitely. So, the story deals with this girl who is trying to live her best life. She is a hairstylist, I believe, right? Yeah. So... She's a hairstylist, and her mom is on vacation somewhere in South America, I believe Brazil. And she sends her this rosary that was stolen from the corpse of a priest by this kid. And she, and she didn't know this. I mean, she she thought it was like a nice little souvenir for her Boy. daughter, but, <laughs> but she wasn't aware where it came from, right? But it turns out that this rosary belongs to a priest that was investigating something really important and somehow his spirit was able to travel to her by the rosary i think when she touched it it was when when she first started feeling the the i don't want to call them symptoms but she started going through all this stuff after she she got the the rosary what do you think of the priest the good priest the good guy I loved him very much. He, just from the beginning of this movie, you automatically, well, for me, you automatically feel good intentions from him in the beginning and wanting to help. And it's just a good, a good guy for sure. I, I definitely liked his character a lot. The actor is really good. I, I like his, his performance. He looks so familiar, the good priest. He's done a couple other movies here and there. Okay. Yeah, I, when I saw him, I, I, I screamed and I said, oh, I think I've seen him in a couple of stuff. <laughs> Have you seen um, Hereditary? No, I don't think so. Oh, good. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to not like that movie very much. But um, he was he was in that movie, in Hereditary. Oh, did you say her? Oh, Hereditary, the one that just came out. Uh, it was maybe like a few years ago, a couple years ago. Yes, yes, with the dolls, right? With the dollhouse or with? Oh no, are you sure? I'm thinking about Hereditary, 2018. Yeah, that's the one with the with the family, you know, like <laughs> with the when the little girl gets her head chopped off by the. Yeah. Yeah, her her mom creates her murder scene. Oh, okay. In yeah, miniatures. Yeah, yeah I, I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I see okay. what you're talking about now. No, I thought you meant like it was like about killer dolls, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, he he does give off that good good intentions type of character uh-huh. in this movie, at least. Yeah, no, and and I, I like his work. He's I think a, a good actor. His name is Gabriel Byrne. So, had you heard about this kind of thing before, the stigmata? No, I I feel like I probably have way back in the day, but I think it was more of a rumor mm-hmm. in school. And a lot of people would say that this happened to them, but I, I, don't, I didn't really know if it did or not so this was very interesting to actually see a movie based on this so that was kind of cool to see that i had heard about it before when i was younger i I would read magazines that my uncles or my dad or my brothers bought so i was a younger kid back then in the 90s and one of them was this uh it wasn't really about paranormal, quote unquote, but it was. It every now and then there was articles about paranormal stuff, but they also talked about aliens and uh, ancient, ancient mysteries, stuff like that. 
And oh, cool. in one of those magazines, there was an article about this guy in Italy who suffered the stigmata, and I had never heard about that before that point. It did mention that he was a very religious person and that all of a sudden he started feeling pain in his hands and then they started bleeding. I think it was his hands and his feet, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was his hands and his head. I think. Wow. Because they mentioned that at some point the priest mentions that it, it represents the five wounds that Jesus suffered when he was crucified. So it was the hands, the feet, the back, the forehead, the crown of thorns, and then the spear in the side. And they have a conversation in the movie in which the girl asks him, well, has anyone ever received O5? And, and he's like, no. So, what do you think about the relationship between them? Because she starts off as being this carefree, kind of like, young person <laughs> of the late 90s, yeah. living it up, just kind of enjoying life. And she's not religious. She admits, she admits to that right away. And so when he finds out that she's not religious, he's like, well, I'm, I'm done here. <laughs> I don't have to talk to you anymore. <laughs> but... They kind of they have like a little argument, but then throughout the movie, they, they kind of start getting closer together, no? Yes! The, I... I... I saw a bit of the chemistry, but I think something was manipulating in her that gave him the impression that she liked him, but I don't think it was actually her. It kind of seems at first like it is, but then at the end, when she basically like start like straight up tries to seduce him, that's when you find out okay, now it's, it's, <laughs> it's not really her. And then she <laughs> she throws him all over the house because like oh whatever like. Um. <laughs> uh, so, I want to agree with you in the sense that I think I don't think it was her. Maybe not a hundred percent, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah it is kind of interesting knowing if their chemistry was actually legit <laughs> in this film she starts off being again really carefree and not religious and then toward at the very end I think she, she changes and becomes kind of at least she understands why people believe in stuff like this no I think yes she gets an idea of what of what of what it is and the experiences that other people have gone through like her but this is more of an unknown case just because of everything that's happened to her in her case so that was ugh, spooky <laughs> yeah and, and of course i mean we're not trying to convince anyone to believe in this or, or not believe in this it's just we're talking about the movie specifically because at the end, in the, in the last scene in the movie, spoiler alert, she, I guess, the implication that we're supposed to get, and I, this is just me, my, my opinion, is that she understands why it is that these kinds of things, as far as beliefs and faith, are important to, to, to so many people because she went through something that basically changed her life. Going back to, to the movie itself a little bit, how scared would you be if, like, your friend went through this? <laughs> I think I would be super traumatized. Yeah, I it definitely gave me a bit triggers, too, because when she, she has these experiences, and in the beginning, they classify it as epilepsy. So my mom, she actually had lots of seizures. So, and a lot of bloody ones that were very horror, horrific. So, <laughs> that's what this movie kind of scared me. And so, yes, I have actually gone through a similar okay. experience. So, it was, in real life, it's it's scary. The epilepsy part, part of it. And that is kind of interesting when the doctors are trying to figure out what's wrong with her. Because... There's just so much going on, and uh, it's it's scary. 
I, I felt like I related with her friend the most. In the movie, we see how, how the friends react, and one of them tries to be more, understand, more understanding than the others. I think one of them is really supportive because she's closer to her than the other ones. And I forgot her name, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, she's the one that's, that's, that takes her to the hospital, and she's going with her to the medical appointments and all this. And the other friends are like, mm, I don't want to talk to this girl anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she creeped me out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you, you see that. And, and, like, the first time she comes back to the hair salon, her friend's like, oh, hi, how are you doing? And, and so she's, she looks really happy to see her. And the other ones are like, mm -hmm. like <laughs> And they start whispering as soon as she walks out of the room. And she hears them. I don't know what I would do if I knew someone that went through something like this. I don't know how it would be. I mean, I want to think that I would be supportive, but I don't know. She starts having these visions and, and like going through all these things. And then I think the most impressive thing, and, and when I say impressive, it, it's like, oh my, like, you know, it, it's uh, that people are really taken aback when they see her getting these wounds from thin air. I mean, she's like just talking to you one minute and then the next minute she's bleeding from her, from her forehead or from her hat from her wrists or her feet you know so i mean imagine how freaky that would be to witness somebody just getting wounds from like nowhere from thin air yeah <laughs> that's scary <laughs> i don't like the the thought of it it's it's uh horrible <laughs> as it is i think blood is gross <laughs> <laughs> Even my blood, I'm, I'm, I'm not that it scares me. I mean, I'm not scared of blood necessarily. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I know people who like when they see blood, they faint or they start feeling like really dizzy because it, it just scares them mm. or, or freaks them out to that point. I'm just more grossed out by the by the germ part of it <laughs> because so many germs and viruses can live in blood, and if you touch it, you know, it's like ah, no. So that's where it freaks me out more than anything. For example, when you see them and they're eating in, in the cafe or whatever, and she gets up and then she gets the wounds in her feet, so she falls in this, like, flower bed. And everyone's just witnessing this girl just getting tortured, basically. I mean, that's what it is. And bleeding, and, and uh, just imagine. In this day and age, how that would be. This movie's uh. in the late 90s, right? But imagine if this happened now, with people with smartphones would be recording everything and... <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would they would blast them everywhere. Like putting the phone on her face and everything. <laughs> it's like, <hold> up. <laughs> I can just imagine. I haven't thought about that until now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, when you said that, I said, hey, that that does make a lot of sense as to how it would be now. That would be insane to watch. I don't think a movie like this would work anymore. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. It definitely... Definitely, it would probably be very boring in this time period than when it came out in the original release year. Unless it happens to to a family that lives in the, in a farm somewhere that they're kind of like they don't have communication because of how far away they are. Otherwise, if it's in the city, I mean, everyone's got a phone, so they'd be like, "Oh, let me see, let me. Who are you? What's your name? Oh, like, let me stream you live on Facebook." And <laughs> as you're as you're bleeding to death from these wounds in your body. <laughs> <laughs> people sometimes tell me that I, i'm too harsh on humanity but i mean after seeing humanity the past few years i, I think <laughs> a lot of people give humanity too much credit but anyways um <laughs> so during the course of the movie we find out that there's this priest that is opposed to anything having to do with this case he wants to make sure that nothing gets out. So he gets really frustrated at the fact that there's articles in the newspaper. And that's why I bring up the point of social media. Because <laughs> this guy couldn't stop people from posting this girl on, on, on Instagram and stuff like that. So here he is worried about a couple of newspaper articles in the late 90s. <laughs> Imagine that having to stop all these Instagram posts about this girl bleeding to death on the street. No, that would be horrible. That's why this movie wouldn't work anymore, I don't think. Yeah. 
it would be really hard to make a movie like this nowadays. But what do you think of that guy as a character? Like, do you think he's convincing as a villain? I I know he is the villain in this film, but he's a sucky villain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just my first impressions. Was he seemed not completely evil to me? I I don't know. I I don't know if it's the acting that just didn't work out for me, but I just. I don't know. It's like he's trying so hard, but I I didn't get that from him. <laughs> I didn't think he was evil enough. <laughs> Without going too much into the implications of this, because his reasons for trying to stop her is that he wants to keep the church the way it is and not have this person change perception of, of or people's perception of the church, rather. So... I don't think his motives how do I say this <laughs> I'm trying to be like uh, say say it the right way I don't know <laughs> I, I agree with you he's he's not a good villain I'll just say it like that <laughs> yeah. yeah towards the end he's willing to commit murder yes now that yeah I, I can definitely say yeah that that's pretty evil but i don't know still i just i, f I feel like he could have been the actual role of evil more mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> in some way i don't know but yeah we do we do see that and that is really scary especially like choking someone out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he was really, like, really, like, choking her, like, going all out, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think his character wasn't developed properly. I guess is what I was trying to say earlier. So. Okay. I feel like throughout time, of course, people have said all kinds of things about the church. Some of them are right, some of them are not right. So I don't want to go too much into that. But, uh, I think... This guy represents all the negative things about what people say about the church. That basically <laughs> he wants things to be his way or the highway kind of thing. And okay. he goes as far as we already said that he's willing to commit murder, which is one of the Ten Commandments. Like, thou shalt not murder. <laughs> so he's in, like, in trying to keep the church the way it is, he's like violating the rules of the church. So it's like, okay. Um, <laughs> it makes no sense. But... That's why I feel his character wasn't really too well developed. But I don't know. <laughs> you got anything to add before we move on to the scores? I did want to mention that there was a scene that the main character, what was her name? Frankie. I already forgot. Frankie. Uh -huh. Frankie sees this baby. Or I don't know if she sees herself in a way, while she's at the hair salon, after she's having these experiences and stuff, right before the, the good priest comes in the picture and everything. So it's kind of early in the film. And we see a baby wrapped in red cloth. And so that part is actually very similar to this Wears Prada music video. And it is so good. And the exact scene looked very similar. And yeah, so I was going to say that is really cool because it's super 90s and the message behind it and the baby wrapped in red and then the baby's gone. And that's exactly what happens in this music video. So <laughs> if you're a fan of really creepiness and rock screamo music, go check that out. Scream that Devil Wears Prada. And this, I believe they got inspiration from this movie. Pretty certain that that, it, that they did, which I think is so cool. And I just love the 90s in this movie. It was, it was such a great, great flashback. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know what scene you're talking about, by the way. And- Okay. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned it, but in the, in the, the very beginning of the movie, 
there's this little plot point in which she thinks she's pregnant for a bit because her cycle is late and she's been seeing this guy and the guy looks like a scumbag he looks really just like uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then you never hear from him again he just disappears from her life right we never see the guy ever again like we see him in the first scene when they're in the bar yeah i did think that he was gonna come back at some point but he didn't <laughs> he was just in that one scene with her in the beginning and that was it i think and yeah so yeah so <laughs> he never comes back and then yeah she has that vision of the lady dumping the baby in the street right and it looks like the, the car's gonna run it over yeah Oh, so creepy. So, yeah, that, that is pretty pretty gruesome. And so I think maybe... I don't know, I'm just kind of like reaching out here, but I think maybe it's just her mind realizing that she's not pregnant. In a way. Oh, yeah. Yes. And realizing, okay. Because it looked just like her, the girl in the hoodie that is holding this baby. It looks just like her. So, yes, I do think that maybe it could have also been the manipulations in her head. Mm-hmm and the visions that she would see which is so bizarre and i know that is also a thing too with epilepsy in real life in real life epilepsy you actually do see things that are not there to other people so i know this because my mom and it is scary hearing them say what they see in front of them and and the, the horror in their face and and what you see is not there so it is really interesting so that's why in the beginning they they did think it, it was epilepsy because it's very similar so that is that got me i was i was very creeped out <laughs> and just remembering things and yeah so that was kind of cool to see so I do want to recommend this movie for people who like 90s cinema. <laughs> <laughs> because in all honesty, I'll get more into it, I guess, when the scores section comes up, but I think it's an okay movie, but I think there are some things they could have done better. I don't know if you agree. Yes. I loved the statue in the beginning of Virgin Mary and the bloody tears. Oh, that, that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So there were some spooky, creepy scenes in this film. But other than that, yeah, it's not super. It's, it won't, I don't think it'll give you nightmares <laughs> <laughs> as much. I mean, I don't know. And there are a couple of scenes. Like, yeah, that, that, that whole setup with the, the crying statue. That's one thing that also, at some point, the guy, the father, he tries to explain to the evil priest that he thinks it's a real <laughs> thing, that it's a real miracle. And the other guy's like, nah, it's not true. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point later on in the movie, they mention, oh, there's not a church down there. Like, what are you talking about? That place doesn't exist. And so he's like, what? What are you talking about? Like, like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they basically tried to erase the existence of, the, of that specific case, you know? So, yeah, there's that scene with, with the crying statue. And then I think the scenes in which the... The, the one that, that was kind of striking to me was when she gets whipped in the, in the subway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I think that one was, was pretty... It wasn't explicit. I mean, you don't see a lot of gore or violence, but, but I think it's, it's <laughs> the most intense of all of them, I think. Yes. And then, of course, I, I think the other freaky scene was when she first manifests the spirit of the priest. And so her bed flies out of the room and she's just kind of just floating in, 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 in the air in the form of a cross. So that's, that's kind of a, a, <laughs> a very uh, striking scene as well, I think. So yeah. I do think that some plot points weren't resolved and it was kind of uh, not sad but I would have liked for those to be resolved properly <laughs> let's just say that yeah so 
I guess I can ask you one more thing. What do you think of the ending? It definitely reminded me of The Exorcist. <laughs> I definitely that's what that's what um that's what it reminded me of. But it was so good. I loved that you could see the fire all around while she or I think right when the possession is the strongest, I think, and going crazy. Yeah. So that was really fun to see. And that was probably the second highlight of this movie, I think, was the ending and seeing it all kind of wrap up together and the good priest coming to the rescue. <laughs> I think he's able to quote-unquote exercise the spirit of the priest and I think she's going to be able to go on with her life after this but I do think like I said earlier that she kind of has an understanding about why people think faith is important to them so mm -hmm. I don't know if she'll be a religious person after this point or not but I, I think at the very least she has an understanding now so I do want to mention one other thing though that there's an alternate ending in which she actually dies Oh, she does? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. They didn't have that one on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's it's in the DVD. I don't think so. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, like, you know how, how they have the, like, like uh, deleted scenes, whatever? Oh, okay, yeah. And I think the alternate ending was that she wasn't supposed to survive at the end. Like, she was gonna, like, it was gonna play out just the same. But at the very end... When they're in the garden with the, the birds and everything, it was going to be her spirit. Oh, yeah. It wasn't going to be her. So uh, I think they were going to have a shot of her body just kind of laying in, in the grass, whatever. But you would see her spirit walking around talking to the birds and stuff. But the, <gasps> the meaning of that was that she was actually dead, right? Yeah. So I think I like this ending better. I think... <laughs> I think it's nice to have a, a, a nice ending every now and then and not have every en every ending be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but wow. I mean, that's, that's my opinion. But anyways, uh, are you ready to give scores, Maria, for this? Yes. So, how many... With nails? <laughs> okay, I guess how many nails out of ten does this movie get? I I feel so bad for giving this score, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a, I know we don't do points, but I feel like this is a point, another movie that has to have a point. I would say I'm going to give it a 5.4. A 5.4? Yeah. 5.5 oh. while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I can't do that. It's a matter of principle for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really precise. I mean, 5.4. I mean, okay, I mean, that's... <laughs> it's, it's your opinion. I'm not going to argue with that, but I, I just think it's it's peculiar that you're going with such a specific number. Yeah. Uh, but I am going to give this movie a 5. 5, okay. Uh-huh. I like it. It's an enjoyable movie. It's got its moments. I think it portrays the 90s very accurately. So I think the scenery is, is appropriate, and I think um, the way the movie was filmed is interesting, and the, the music is interesting too, but uh, I just feel like there's a lot of the story that wasn't developed correctly. Some of the characters didn't get developed correctly either, so that's why I'm giving this a 5. I'm going to pull the Mariah and give it a 5.1. Ah. <laughs> 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 that's funny yeah i was gonna say it is it is a bit all over the place so we didn't really get to have a chance to get to know these characters and fall in love with these characters so that that's unfortunate when that happens in horror movies which is I don't like that in horror movies. <laughs> I always get so sad. Like, oh, I wish I would have known you more and get to know you a little bit better. Sounds like a speed dating. But <laughs> but it's true. It's very true. In, in horror movies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
Now let's go ahead and give skulls to our villain, the evil priest. How many does he get out of 10? Oh, I'm gonna give him a two. <laughs> I was gonna say a four, but he deserves a two. Okay. Yeah, a two, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, A two, I'll give him a three, because I feel nice today. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think his motivations are really, they're not really developed well through I don't think and his acting I think he was just kind of phoning it in if you ask me <laughs> yeah <laughs> you kind of just look like like oh I'm just here for my paycheck and just I'll say my lines and go home tonight <laughs> kind of thing yeah like the passion was not there mm-hmm that I saw, and that was really sad. Yeah, because even when at the, when he's trying to commit murder, that that choking scene, and I th- he's kind of just like. It was so weak. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look crazy enough to me. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all right, is there anything else we might want to add, Mariah, before we sign off for the night? No, that's all. All right, awesome. So it was very nice talking to you about this movie. I think there's a lot of stuff that we can get to cover, but I mean that's that's okay. Um, but um, we don't have a topic for next time because (laughs) we're going to be in real life taking a break for about a week but these episodes will will still drop at the right times and so we have no idea what's going to happen next after this but that's okay we never do hardly (laughs) (laughs) so I want to thank everyone that took time to listen to our discussion on Stigmata 1999 movie about the end of the world not really but it's got to do with religion and stuff like that in the 90s. So uh, <laughs> I want to ask you guys to stay away from people who are bleeding in the streets. Don't <laughs> 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 get close to them too much. I mean, if anything, call the cops or whatever. And while you're at it, please don't record them. Don't post them on social media. Don't be rude. <laughs> don't be one of those guys or people. And... If you are listening to us on a service that allows for you to score a podcast, by all means, give us the top score because we deserve it. We are cool like that. <laughs> and also, make sure be sure to check us out on social media. We have our linktree.com slash MythsBehindLGDS. You can go and find our social media links, our online store, so you can score some sweet EMBL swag. So, that's going to be all for us tonight. I want to thank you once again for listening. And until we see you on the next one, have a good one.